My name is Sean Jones. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs, and it's my privilege to be able to continue this series, Set in Stone. And Set in Stone is a series where we've been covering spiritual disciplines. We've been talking about these things that help us to be more like Jesus. Now, I want to remind you that spiritual disciplines are not meant for us to earn something. We're not doing it to try to earn favor with God. We're not doing it to try to be righteous or legalistic. We don't weigh those things upon people. But when I'm up here, you may feel convicted. You may feel like, man, I'm not doing really well. Some of the spiritual disciplines that Pastor Steve and Robbie and the other preachers have talked about, they're meant to encourage us to step into our faith, to be growing in that way. And today, I get to talk to you about the spiritual discipline of evangelism. December of 2006, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It was over at the church this church when we were over at uh, Old Litchfield Park Road, okay? So I started coming to church here, and mainly, I would say, because of the faithfulness of God. He was working on me. He was drawing me to Christ. But there was a man in my life, Mark Shaloi, who really spent time. He loved me. He cared about me. He went places. He invited me. He listened to me make fun of him. I used to make fun of the music he, he, he listened to. He was a Christian. And I put a little worship CD in. I said, you listen to this kind of music? Lord, I lift your name on high. I'd make fun of him. You know what I mean? That's what I did. Uh, but I was seeking, and he answered questions. He loved me. And for the faithful preaching of Pastor Steve, that he wasn't afraid to get up on stage and preach the gospel, I heard it, and I responded. About six months later, amen is right, about six months later, I stepped out in faith. I knew that Christians were supposed to serve. And I went right over to that room, 104, and boy, was I bold. Started serving in a two-year-old room. I think it was once a month, okay? Once a month, I wasn't even the teacher, yes, yes. You know what, Mom? Uh, Angie and Pastor Dan, uh, uh, I like to call them my adopted parents, all right? They're our, our children's ministry leaders. And uh, I, man, you know, but it was safe because I didn't have to do anything. I just showed up. But there was a man there that God used. His name is Chris Bennett. Chris Bennett has gone on to be with the Lord. But Chris Bennett came to me. He had finished his evangelism training, and he looked at me, and he said, you ever heard of evangelism explosion? I said, nope. He goes, you know how to share your faith? I said, nope. And he goes, you want to? And I said, yes, yes. all right? I could have said no three times. I could have hit the, the hat trick, but some, you hear it coming out of your mouth and you realize you're, you're like committing to something that you weren't necessarily ready for. But lo and behold, that was God's plan for me. And now 13 years later, 13 years later, here I am today to encourage you about evangelism. I've been called to the to the role of an evangelist. It's my privilege to be able to be here at this church where I came to know the Lord and continue to encourage the saints to do the work of the ministry. Remember, spiritual disciplines are about making us be more like Christ. I love this. Okay, Brandon Cook says, all spiritual practice is about becoming people who love as God loves. The sort of people who lay down their lives for others. That, to me, is a great definition of what it means to be like Christ, to be humble, to give our lives to other people. For me, that is a joy. And I hope that today you would be encouraged to see that it is a great joy to be sharing your faith with other people. But what is evangelism? This is my definition because a lot of you have your own definitions. Trust me, I hear, you know, people come and tell me and, and they, they have their own ideas of what evangelism is. This is Sean's definition, okay? Evangelism is a part of making disciples. It is the announcement of the gospel or the proclaiming of good news. Evangelism is something specific that you do. 
It is the communication of the gospel. You can do it in written form. You can hand out tracts. You can do it verbally. You can sign, all right? But it is the communication of the gospel. Sometimes up here, you'll hear me say, you know, be a witness or share your faith, okay? There's a lot of different terms that you can use, but those are synonymous with evangelism. But it is something you do. It's not being nice. It's not just being kind to the grocery store clerk. It's not just saying, I'm going to love people. That's not evangelism. That's being like Christ, of course. But until you share the gospel, you have not participated in evangelism. You have not shared your faith, okay? Now, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. Jesus appeared to many. He proved to everyone that he is who he said he is, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Jesus proved that. And now he's offering forgiveness of sins and eternal life to everyone who will repent and put their faith in him. This is good news for everyone. This is a, this is a wonderful thing to tell people about. Now I want to share some verses with you. We want to look at what Scripture says, not just what Sean says, because just because I come up here and I'm passionate about things and I'm bold about it and, and I sound convincing doesn't mean that I'm right. Remember that, okay? I am passionate about this, but it doesn't make me correct. Okay? Evangelism is an essential aspect of the Christian life. It's essential. And you would not be here today if it weren't for someone sharing their faith with you. That's the truth. You are here today if you believe in Jesus because someone shared the gospel with you. We need to be intentional and we need to be disciplined to share a faith. It's the greatest thing you could ever do for someone. Let's take a look at scripture. Now, all these verses I'm going to show you are the same time period. Jesus has died, and he has risen from the grave. He has appeared to his disciples, and he is talking to them, and he is giving them their mission. These are some of the last words that we have recorded of Christ. This, is, this should be our greatest concern. He has given the church its marching orders. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Simple. Succinct. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, everyone. Maybe your cat, maybe your dog, you need to practice on them, go right ahead. I used to do that with Pastor Steve's dog. He had a dog, I'd go over to his house. I don't know why, but I was practicing my EE stuff and his dog would listen, so I'd share, okay? Hey, if you gotta practice sharing the gospel, practice with them, but get out and talk to human beings, all right? They need to hear about it. Here we have Luke uh, recording Jesus saying, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. We know that and it's going to go out. You are witnesses to these things. Luke goes on in Acts and he says, but you will receive power. This is Jesus talking to disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and to, in Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesus has commanded us to be intentional about sharing our faith. And I want to share one more verse with you, but I want you to open up your Bibles or your phones. I'll have it up on the uh, screen as well, but we're going to get into Matthew, okay? Matthew 28, the end of this chapter. As you're turning to Matthew 28, we'll be in verses 18 through 20. I want to ask a question. I want to see a show of hands. And don't lie, this is church, okay? All right? Raise your hand if you've heard the term the Great Commission. If you've heard of that term. 
Thank you. You know, I, I, I love that this church still talks about evangelism. Statistically, it's saying that the younger generations no longer understand what this term means or what it was referring to because people have stopped talking about it. I don't know if that's true or not. Statistics could be all over the place. I just figured I'd say it, but you guys raised your hand. There's a lot of folks last night that raised their hand. The Great Commission, that's what these, these passages, these verses have been coined as. This is that great mission that Jesus gave to us, that he entrusted to us as the church. Let's read starting with verse 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My desire today is that God would use me as a conduit, that he would speak to you, that the Holy Spirit would encourage you and he would inspire you when you leave here to be intentional about sharing your faith, that you would walk out of here knowing this is something that you were called to do. And secondly, it's my desire that you would know why you must evangelize. I'll give you a couple reasons, okay? And that first reason that we're going to talk about is we, we kind of find this in, in verse 18, but Jesus commanded us. Let's take a look at this authority, all right, that Jesus claims here in verse 18. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So in case you're wondering if like the Bible's a suggestion or if God was just kind of saying, if you think about doing this, it's okay. Yeah, if you don't want to, that's fine too. No, Jesus, before he gives this command, he says, I'm in charge everywhere, all authority. It's mine, heaven and on earth. And then he commands the disciples, okay? He goes and he talks to them in verse 19 and 20. Let's look at that. Go therefore, go because I have all authority, because I'm the guy in charge. I am the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Go and do make disciples go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit pause if you are here today and you've come to know jesus as your savior and you have not been baptized he's telling you to he's telling us to baptize you you need to be baptized what are you waiting for if jesus is your savior if he's your lord then let's get baptized you can do that next week if you can't do it next week i'll do it today just let me know, okay? Let's get you baptized. That's important. Now let's go back to this. We're to baptize our disciples, but and then he tells us this daunting task that we need to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. This word observe is not like I woke up and sat out on my porch and I watched the sun come up, all right? It's not like, hey, I watched Sean up there on stage doing ministry or he went out to the park and he shared the gospel. This word observe means to obey. If you observe the law, you obey the law. And that means we need to teach each other to be better at doing the things that God has commanded us. There's a reason. Why? Because we need to be more like Jesus. We're being conformed to love like him. And we'll talk more about that. But Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples. And I don't know about you, but verse 20 was a verse, I think, that Jesus put in for me. That end part where Jesus says, And lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Right? Because guess what? I wanted to know that Jesus was going to help me in this process. Because, you know, maybe for some of you this comes easy, but it's not for me. Yes, I'm passionate about it, and it's taken time, 13 years. But the idea of making disciples, sharing your faith, and following that process through to teach people everything that God has commanded seems so hard. But Jesus promises it. He promises his presence. Jesus is telling us he'll be with us. He will help us. And guess what? If you've come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to indwell you. If you remember, Jesus was talking to the disciples and he said, it's better for me to leave so that I can send the helper. And the Holy Spirit would come. 
and he'll be with you, but not but with you. He'll be in you, and he'll never leave you. He will never go. He'll be with you, and when you go out and when you minister to people, you have the power of God. And guess what he said? The Holy Spirit will do what? Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. When we open our mouths and we speak about who God is, we let him do his work. God wants, to, wants people to know him. We just have to kind of open our mouth and begin to talk about all the good things that God has done for us. What a privilege it is to know that Jesus will always be with us. Now, we live in a Y culture. If you have kids that can speak, maybe husbands or wives, I don't know, too, but we like, the we like to ask why about everything, okay? We're going to go do this. Why? Okay? And if you do it with the right motivation because you want to know the deeper understanding, amen. Amen. But, but asking why for the wrong motivation to question authority is not correct. Sometimes we just got to step up and we got to go. It's easy for a military guy like me to say, you know, I can get up and okay. I was in the Marines and they say, go do this. And you just okay, fine. I do it. I, I can't even ask why. But Jesus lets us ask why. But he answered this question. He wants us to know the deeper understanding. The disciples knew. I know that we know. Maybe sometimes we don't think about that. But the why has been answered. Let's look at John 3. Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Why must we make disciples? Because if you don't believe in Jesus, where are you going to go? You're going to perish forever, eternally separated from God in hell. That's the punishment that we deserve for rejecting the gospel in Christ. He doesn't want that. You can clearly see Jesus came for a reason. God gave up his own son. He paid everything so that people could come to know him. So that when we believe, we have eternal life. He didn't come to judge, he came to save. In case you didn't know, the scriptures go on to say, because you're already condemned for not believing. You're in a state of condemnation until Jesus saves you. We need to tell people about this. They, God wants them to be saved. Look at what Paul, Paul's given his uh, uh, testimony, standing in chains before, uh, chains before King Agrippa. He's being questioned, and he's giving a defense, and he's giving his testimony here about the, the, the experience on the road to Damascus. And these are Jesus' words. I love this, because Jesus is speaking to Paul, and he's giving him a command. And he says, but get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I appear to you. Rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you. Why are you sending me? to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. We have that same mission given to us. We are not necessarily Paul to go where he is to go, but the gospel that we have been given in the command to share our faith is for the same reasons, to turn people from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God. That's what the gospel does. That's the good news. People can be changed forever. We need to share so that they can have forgiveness of sins too. Someone shared to you so that you could have that glorious hope. Are you willing to go and share with someone else in your sphere of influence? I believe you can. The second reason we should be sharing our faith is because people are perishing apart from Christ. 
if there's anything that's going to motivate you and the authority or the, 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 the lordship of Jesus doesn't, well, then start thinking about your mom, your, your dad, your sister, uncle, auntie, best friend, cousins, workers, strangers, the homeless guy on the corner, and start thinking about him perishing and spending eternity in hell. Maybe that would stir your heart up. Do you know that over 150,000 people die every day? Right now, we're kind of caught up with how many deaths COVID has caused. Oh, it was only 30 today, only 90 today. No big deal. The, the, the rates are so low. Well, here's a bigger number, 150,000 every day for all different types of reasons. That's almost two a second. I always like to snap my fingers. Dead. Like every snap. I mean, that's a lot of people. And God cares for them. So should we. He showed compassion. Imagine this, in Matthew 9, we see Jesus on mission. Look at what he's doing. He's going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Jesus showed compassion. I love that we can see his heart here. He told his disciples to start praying. 2,000 years ago, start praying for workers. Why? Because the problem here is that we have a lot of people who are ready to believe and come to know me, but the workers are few. And in case you didn't know, if you looked on the news lately, there's a lot of sheep running around dispirited and distressed without a shepherd. They are lost, looking to any organization to help guide them. But hope can only be found in Christ. And I see 150 workers right here, right here today. And I'll be praying for you. I've been praying for you. Don't balk at this. This is your, this is your privilege to tell someone about Jesus. And I've been praying for you, and Jesus started praying for you a long time ago. So be thinking about this. People are perishing, and we have the words by which people will be saved. I love the story of Cornelius in Acts 10 and Acts 11, and I want to summarize this real quick for you because you need to understand the kind of guy Cornelius was. Cornelius was a centurion. He was well spoken of. It says that he was a devout man. He feared God. He prayed continuously. He gave charity. Later it says that he was well spoken of by all the Jews. Okay, five things that make me sound like a pretty bad guy compared to Cornelius. But Cornelius is visited by an angel, and the angel says to send for Peter. The Holy Spirit tells Peter to go see Cornelius, and he shows up at his house, and guess what happens? Cornelius is there with all his friends and family, and they're waiting to hear what Peter has to say, because that's what God said. And he tells Peter what happened, and then Peter begins to share the gospel. And it says, as he was speaking, that they believed, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they were baptized. They were saved. But it's Acts 11 that I really want to point out. Because Peter's standing before the Jews in Jerusalem, and guess what they're saying? Why did you share the gospel with those Gentiles? Why did you do that? And then he starts to tell the story. We get a little insight about what the angel told Cornelius. And guess what he said? Send for Peter, because he will speak to you the words by which you will be saved. What did Peter share with Cornelius? Anybody got an idea? The gospel. He shared the good news of Jesus Christ, and Cornelius and his family were saved. We have the words by which people will be saved. We are believers. We are the ones of the gospel, the people of the book. We've come out of darkness and into the glorious light of Jesus Christ. 
We are the ones who would go. If we don't share, who's going to do it? Who are we going to leave it to? Someone else of another faith or of another idea? That can't save anyone. We have to take those good, that good news into the world. We've got to do it. It's our mission. I love Charles Spurgeon's heart. Lost, lost, lost. Better a whole world on fire than a soul lost. Better every star quenched and the skies are wrecked than a single soul to be lost. And I think this verse is fitting to our current state. Better the whole world on fire. Better all the issues. Better we run through a pandemic, riots, difficulties, earthquakes, fires to waken us to our desperate need for Jesus. That one soul would be saved. We don't want anybody to go. Let this time be used to help you to see what you've been called to do by Jesus. Now, when we share our faith, it makes us more like him. That's the whole point here, all right? And when we follow this discipline of evangelism, we become eternally minded. We start to think differently. It's an interesting thing. When we start to think differently, we start to do things differently. When we start to do things differently, we start to think differently. And it's just a, a continuous process here. We start to be eternally minded. We become sensitive to the eternal state of mankind. Church, do we believe that there's a heaven? Yes, amen. Do we believe that there's a hell? There's two places that the scripture says, Jesus is clear about it, it's appointed for man once to die and after that then the judgment. Some will be risen to eternal life and others to eternal punishment. And that's not what God wants. We've already seen that. But we become sensitive to this. We realize that every person we put our eyes on has an eternal state, one place or another. We pray differently. We begin to pray for salvation for others. We begin to pray for workers to come into the harvest. We love to pray for things, but when we share our faith, we begin to pray for opportunities to witness. And if you're not praying that God will give you an opportunity, start today. Become available. Amen. We speak differently. We speak with gentleness. We speak with reverence to God. We speak with grace, but we speak with an urgency where we can look at someone and we know that they don't know Christ and we, 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 we beg them. That's what Paul said. I beg you to be reconciled to God through Jesus. We implore you, please. There's an urgency in our heart. We don't want them to perish. We love differently. We show compassion versus indifference. And I'm going to use this word. And here's the thing is no state of heart is too hard for God. But some of us are apathetic. We know that people are perishing and we just don't care. That could be your first step today. Ask the Lord to help you. Grow a heart that's big and large for people. But we begin to love differently. And lastly, I put this in, we answer the door differently. This is, uh, this is for me, okay? In my house, when the doorbell rings, I know it's an opportunity to share my faith. And I answer the door differently. I, made a, a con I had a conversation with the Lord 10 years ago. And I said, if you send people to my house, I will do my best to share my faith. So anyone that comes, whether they have a Bible in their hand or not, I take that opportunity and I try to share my faith with those people. Maybe you can start with just answering the door and then take that next step to talking to people. Maybe that's what you can do. Sharing the gospel helps us to grow in our faith. Helps us. Because why? When you share the gospel, guess what? People are going to ask you questions. And then guess what? You're going to find out what you don't know. Okay, that's just the truth. And you're like, man, that guy got me, that little Girl Scout. You know, she came over here and she rocked my world, okay? But it pushes you back into the scriptures. It helps you to study and to learn what you don't know. But it grows your relationship with God. 
It helps you to grow a deeper understanding of his word. When we share the gospel, we're able to see people saved and transformed. We're able to see people changed forever. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And when we go in faithfully sharing, we know that he'll show us his power and that he will save people. And that's a wonderful thing to know that it's about God and that God will keep his promises. But we got to open our mouth. You want to see that happen? You got to share. But church, here's the reality. If you're not sharing your faith, the good news is you could start today. You could start today. But if you're not sharing your faith with others, you are missing an essential aspect of the life that God has intended for you. You are missing out on that deeper knowledge and experience of God that can only be found in doing evangelism. Remember that evangelism is not about being good. It's not about just living our life nicely. Evangelism is sharing the gospel. And the gospel is a transformative message, both, both to the person who shares and to the person who hears. And if you're here today and you have not come to that place of trusting Jesus as your Savior, coming to that place of understanding that he's the Son of God, that he is the Lord Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the gospel's good for you too. If you're listening online, pay attention because this is important. And I want to speak to you for just a second. Remember that man Cornelius? That good man, that reputation? Just like Cornelius, we can't earn our way to heaven. There's nothing, nothing you can do. So I ask you this question, if you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? What would you say? Maybe because you're devout or you pray continuously. Maybe it's because you give charity and you love people and you're well spoken of. Maybe it's because you fear God. Well, that's the beginning, but that's not gonna get you there because heaven's a free gift. In fact, the Bible talks about what we deserve for our, the way we live our life. It says, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. And the reason it has to be a gift is because man's a sinner. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have fallen short. If you've lied, you've sinned. If you've disobeyed your parents, you've sinned. If you've lusted, you've sinned. If you've stolen, you've sinned. I could go on and on. I could talk about my sins all day. But the reality is we need to see our sin from God's eyes. And because we sin, we can't save ourselves. We mix our good and our bad and think it's like good enough to offer up to God. And God says, no, one lie is enough. In case you didn't know, it says that all liars have their part in the lake of fire. God is perfect. He is good. And even though he's a loving God and merciful and he doesn't want to punish us, he is a just God. He says he will not allow the guilty to go unpunished. He can't. He's a perfect judge. And you and me, we got a problem because if we stand before God and he judges according to his perfect law, we're guilty. And we deserve what? Hell punishment forever. But God, being rich in mercy, he sent his son Jesus. Jesus stepped down from his throne in heaven. He took on flesh and blood, bones, body like us. He gave up his form of God and walked a perfect life here on earth. And he did it to become the perfect sacrifice so that he could pay the penalty for your sins, for my sins, for the sins of the world. He became the savior of mankind. And he hung on that cross and suffered and died for us paying the penalty for those sins so that we could be free. But he didn't stay dead. Three days later, like he promised, he rose again, proving I am who I said I am. I told you I would rise, and I did. He conquered death and now is offering forgiveness of sins to everyone who would put their faith in him alone. And that's what you need to do today. 
you need to trust in Jesus. You need to put your faith in him. And I want to tell you this real quick illustration before I let you go. This is the kind of faith, I, I just love this illustration. Some of you might not like it. That's okay, all right? I like it, and I get to share it, all right? So I want you to hear it, but listen to, listen to this, because this is important. There was a man who was really good at tightrope walking, and he decided to have an event, and he was going to tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Strung that tightrope across, gathered the crowds. Everybody showed up to watch this man cross this tightrope. And the man begins to walk nice and easy, and the crowd is nervous, knowing that if he were to fall, surely to his peril. But he gets across, and the crowd cheers and erupts. Yay! Right? Everybody loves a spectacle. The man calms the crowd, and he looks, and he says, who here thinks that I could take this wheelbarrow across the tightrope safely? A couple hands go up, and he does it. Nice and easy, without a hitch in his step, gets to the other side, and people cheer and scream, and he calms the crowd, and he says, who here thinks I could put a live pig in this wheelbarrow and take it across. A few more hands, because they're seeing his ability and his skill. They're starting to see what he can do. And he takes that wheelbarrow across the Niagara Falls without a problem. Somehow that pig stayed nice and calm. Gets to the other side and the crowd erupts and cheers and screams and yells and he calms the crowd. And he says, all right, last question before the last question. Who here thinks I can take a live human across the Niagara Falls in this wheelbarrow. And everybody raises their hand. Everybody saw him do it with a pig. Well, if you can do it with a pig, you can do it with a human. And then he looks at him and he says, who's my first volunteer? Yeah. What do you think happened to those hands? Whoop. Down they went. And that's what Jesus is saying. Who here is ready to believe and accept me as Savior? Who here is ready to stop just thinking that I have the ability to, but is willing to put their lives in my hands and say, I have nothing to give. I come empty-handed, Christ, but I trust you and what you did alone, that gift of eternal life. I am going to receive it. Take me across to heaven. I trust you. That's what we need to do. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved.